Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, what's going on? How's it going, John? Awesome. And, and for those that don't know, that when everyone always asks me, every, I always get texts at every game. I've been to all these Knicks games, and we're on a win streak for a lot of them, so people are like, interested in the Knicks. John, how do you get all these tickets? This is the guy. Everyone that's listening, <laughs> this is the man responsible for my Instagram stories. If they're too long, I apologize, but th- he's who is responsible whether you, whether you love him or hate him. This is the guy that, that, that's allowed me to go to all these Knicks games. So Phil, thank you from the bottom of my heart. From all my friends that have gone to the games through go, coming with me and stuff, they thank you too. Um, definitely <laughs> gonna be fun. I had to have him on the show. I was like, once the season was over, Mike, Phil has to come on the show and talk about your story and all the cool stuff you're doing. So definitely gonna, really fun having you on. I love the background. Right? MSG, there's no place I'd rather be than MSG right now. And actually, I have the, everyone knows the Porzingis jersey behind me. I'm obviously decked out in, in the jacket I wore to a few games. But recently, I haven't shown you this. I got a five piece of the MS Square Garden Arena. It's, it's a game against the Pacers. It's a regular season game. But it's, it's a five piece and it completes the room. So That's epic. You, so just like your virtual background, I can still pretend like I'm an MSG sometimes. I can still like close my eyes <laughs> and, hear, and hear the, uh, the profanity directed at Trey Young. It's a beautiful noise. But Right, definitely going into into you and, and all the quotes you're doing. Right? The Knicks, right? The Knicks are maybe what you're doing now and being an MSG, but there's so much stuff that led up to that, right? And, and so much of your story that's left to be to be written. But maybe going to the start. I mean, I'm curious, maybe going all the way back to high school because a lot of the people listening to the show maybe are my players that are still in high school or or just 18 year olds that are coming out of high school. Maybe what, what were you doing there that made you fall in love with sports? Was it was it playing a lot of games? Was it being around it to where you said, you know what, I, I want to work in sports? Yeah, it started well before high school. First of all, I sorry I didn't say this, but thank you for having me on. This is this is really cool. I, I haven't done something like this before. Um, and any time that I have a chance to talk basketball with with a fan like you, then it's it's just a pleasure. So uh, thank you for that. But but going back to yeah, your main question, you know, knowing my fandom for sports in general started probably when I was five or six years old. I I'll give you a little background on myself. I I actually was born overseas and grew up overseas for the first 10 years of my life, born in Brazil. My mom is Brazilian. My dad's American. So that explains, that explains this and moved to the Philippines at about a year old, lived there for about nine years. And funny enough, what was my first connection with the Knicks? There was a little market there and they were selling just like branded merchandise and hats from American teams. And I, I saw this blue hat with an orange logo and had no idea what it was at the time, but I knew I liked it. And years later, I, I came to find out that it was it was a Knicks logo. And so growing up, I played a, a bunch of different sports. I was super involved probably since age four or five, really. Mostly team sports. You know, soccer was was a big one. Basketball, I, I kind of developed later on when I was about 10 years old. I loved having the team aspect of, of athletics in general and growing as a person with my teammates. And so, you know, when I finally moved to the U.S. when I was, I was about 10 years old, realizing Basketball is, is probably the most electric game that we have here in this country, not only because of the way it's played here, but also it's, it's on an international stage. I, I'm a big history nut. And so studying a little bit behind David Stern as commissioner and, and expanding the game that way, I figured that basketball was probably the, the best way to, to enter the sports industry in general and, and really learn about it overall. And with that, I kind of went through college 
playing, you know, on the, uh, I guess, club level, just, you know, a little, little more laid back. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I would have made the varsity team by any means, but uh, just basketball was part of my life for the last, I guess, at this point, 15 years. So keeping it close and, and, and being able to play whenever I wanted uh, was, was most important to me. So finding a job within that field and sports in general was, was definitely something that was important. That's incredible hearing about your upbringing because we've been on so many phone calls, right? Game day and all this stuff, right? Getting ready for some of the best experience of my life, one of these playoff games or even the regular season games. And I had no idea that you weren't born here. I had no idea that maybe how you first fell in love with the Knicks and like how you got introduced to the game. That's why I love doing this show is because I get to hear these stories, even from someone that I know. Like I've actually spoken to you before when this isn't the first time we're meeting on Zoom and I still didn't know that. So that's incredible. And thank you for sharing that because it is at a layer to, okay, you know, where did this passion come from? Like seeing it in a store and not knowing what it is and then now you're working for the team like that, that that's really really cool and thinking about things from that perspective but maybe right at, at the beginning of, of getting to this into, into the sports industry right maybe not everything was exactly with sports but it kind of brought you back to it i mean maybe some of the things that you did with with you pace or the, da the daily caller maybe that was a little bit more sports centric but what were you kind of doing there that opened up to what you're doing now yeah so you pace was an interesting one it was a, it was a startup so i just for the record so people are probably wondering uh, I went to George Washington University down in, in, in Washington, D.C. And so at the time I was a sophomore, fall of 2016, I guess winter of 2017, uh, looking for an internship, just looking for something to do on the side, you know, not, not just being a full-time student, but looking to kind of build my resume at that point. I was connected with a lady who had just graduated at that point from American University right down the street from us. She started this app called UPACE, and it was the way for people to schedule fitness classes, uh, rent equipment equipment in, in different gyms and facilities in the area. Pretty cool product itself. And so I, I joined her and, you know, me and one other guy from, from my fraternity at the time, we joined her to help with marketing a little bit. So putting content out similar to what you do now, right? With, with your Instagram, just finding uh, common trends within the, the market space and, um, you know, basically putting out content to try and promote the, the brand itself and, and grow it a little bit. We helped increase, I believe it was about 3,000 followers over the course of, I think it was two months uh, from, you know, it was basically October going into December. So that was that was a cool experience because, again, it was just my, my first internship ever and, and just kind of getting a feel for being a professional in general. And then between junior, junior year and senior year that summer, uh, I knew that I, I got to get into sports somehow. I got to do something with sports. At that point, I was taking some summer classes. So coming up to New York to try and intern somewhere here was not going to be an option for me. So I had to stay local in D.C. So I found the Daily Caller who, you know, they, they luckily accepted me as a summer intern. And I, I spent the summer writing for their sports section. Uh, a lot of that content was was based on basketball, even though it was the offseason. I always found something to write about uh, with certain players or top free agents. At that point, I think my biggest story was uh, Kawhi Leonard could be joining the Lakers. Never happened. He ended up joining the, uh, the Raptors. But, you know, being close to that and actually finding my own stories and, and finding the interesting trends within the NBA itself, that was definitely uh, an exciting part of it. Definitely fun, right, in, in, in getting to cover the game that maybe you grew up watching from afar. Uh, I did see that while you were with uh, the Daily Call, you did some cool stuff at the White House, and I'm curious if you could elaborate on that story a little bit because it sounds like you, you learned a lot there. Yeah, the White House, or it, it wasn't the White House. It was the uh, the Capitol. So it was Capitol Hill. I was interning for a congresswoman uh, from Washington State, and I was, you know, congressional intern for the summer of, I believe it was 2017. So that was 
sophomore year going into junior year. And that was a really cool experience in itself, you know, taking calls from her constituents, answering their questions or, or addressing their concerns. There were quite a lot of them. And, and basically learning how at that point, you know, being in DC, it's, you, you can't not learn about politics. You have to get into it. You have to, if you're there, you might as well use the time wisely. So I wanted to immerse myself in that a little bit, take advantage of the time there and learn how bills are passed, right? Get to watch all the, the senators, get to watch the representatives in the house voting on certain bills throughout the summer there. That was definitely a cool experience itself. So that part of the job with dealing with constituents on a, in some cases, face-to-face basis or, uh, you know, with, with giving them tours around the Capitol itself, learning the history a little bit, uh, but also just addressing their concerns uh, over the phone definitely prepared me for, uh, you know, some of the clients and prospects that, that I work with now at MSG. Definitely cool is how maybe those early experiences might maybe on paper it doesn't look like something that would translate to to anything with the with the Knicks or or, or in the NBA, but it does. Um, and it's definitely cool seeing how those skills maybe carry over. Uh, one thing that I thought of was cool, and I'm sure right there's a, there's definitely so many skills that could translate from this job specifically. But you you work with squash on fire, right, in the sport of squat, right, in such an obscure sport that I honestly know nothing about. Um, but thinking about maybe how um, taking up a job there can still prepare you better for for what you're doing now or something down the line. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about maybe even what squash is because I, I don't even know. On, on top of that, maybe what, uh, what what all went down there? So when I started, it was, I think two, it was open for two weeks at that point. And squash, for those that don't know, it's imagine racquetball. If you guys know what racquetball is, it's just a, a cube of a court instead of a long rectangular shape. So it's a much smaller court, a little bit different of a ball. It was essentially, it was a European style club. So uh, it was like a fitness center. They had their own gym in there as well with eight squash courts, state-of-the-art squash courts right in the middle of DC. But also they had a, a bar and restaurant, full service bar and restaurant within the facility itself. So that was kind of the European twist to it. You know, people could go play an hour and a half of squash, sweat their brains out, and then go over and, and grab a, a bite to eat and have a cold beer afterwards. I joined, I applied there because I was looking for a job, wanted to make, as I'm sure a lot of uh, college kids can relate to, I, I wanted to make a little extra money. I was working at that point about 30 hours, 35 hours a week in some cases, along with managing a full class load, a full workload in the classroom. So that was cool. I, I worked the front desk there. I got to engage with all the, the customers coming in, answering a lot of calls as well, uh, managing people's accounts, whether they had certain issue with billing or whatever it might've been. So it was kind of, again, it was it was sort of a preparation for, for my role now within group sales at Madison Square Garden, but overall loved it. You know, get to go to class at like 1.30 in the afternoon, take a four-hour shift to the squash club, and then walk right back to my evening class. So that was a, a great part of being in a, in a city, you know, not quite the size of New York, but just a city like D.C. that's very easy to walk around. It's awesome thinking about maybe how you could take something from something like squash and, and still take so many experiences from that. And now we've discussed maybe the daily caller and squash and, and all these other jobs that maybe set you up for what you're doing now. But I'm sure right, this, this is what you get asked about all the time now because it's what you're doing now, but also because it's what people like me know you as, right? The legend that gets, I mean, that gets the Knicks tickets, right? That's what you are. So I mean, tell us that after learning all those experiences, how did you get into the Knicks and becoming what many and I know you as is, oh, Phil's the Knicks guy. Oh, oh, like, 
Game's coming up, a big game. Okay, let me call Phil. Phil's the guy. Phil's the Knicks guy. How did you become Phil the Knicks guy? I don't think I'm that guy. Uh, I appreciate you calling me that. But, you know, overall, what has helped me so far is just my my passion for sports in general, but also the Knicks. I've been at MSG for just under two years. It'll be two years in, in August. I think I've, I've, it's definitely safe to say I'm, I'm a Knicks fan now for sure. So having that passion every single day with talking with clients and prospects or, or just fans in general who have questions, it's always a great time to shoot the breeze with them and, and connect about the team. Because this is a Knicks town, whether, whether people like it or not. Uh, and I think we saw that in, it, you know, it was short-lived in the playoffs. It was only the first round. But just looking at the reactions from outside the garden at, at two Penn Plaza versus the Barclays Center uh, after a win or a loss, it was just a mob a mob at, at, at MSG and using those kind of in, you know, in, in my memory from those and, and using that, you know, as a way to con- converse with fans, that's the exciting part of the job. So to, to answer your, your question in short, I know I'm rambling here, but anytime I'm, I'm reaching out to a Knicks fan, it's, it's with a purpose. It's, it's with a purpose to one, yes, connect over the team and, and to shoot the breeze a little bit and, and talk about the success of the team more recently, but, you know, also trying to help fans out because if, if, Fans are looking to just come to a game uh, on their own. There's there's really no need for me, right? There's really no need for me. Part of part of the the role that I that I'm in and, and the team that I'm in. Part of what we do is we try to create special experiences along with the game itself. So uh, working with groups as small as ten people all the way up to hundreds, maybe a couple thousand. That's that's what we try to do. We try to create an overall experience that hopefully uh, no other arena can do. And it's incredible, right? When you talk, you talk about game two and the reaction, I mean, I, if I close my eyes, I can still see the, the aftermath of game two out in front of me. I still remember right, all, all the all the chants and the screaming. And I have all the videos. If I ever forget when I'm old and gray, I'll have the videos to prove it uh, to yeah. my grandkids that I was there. But I will I, say, I, I don't want to cut you off. I just want to say one thing because I think it was... It was game two of, of the first round this year versus the Hawks. You're familiar just for those who, who might not be as familiar. So the garden is right here. And then our office building is literally attached to it. Okay. The flow of traffic coming out of the arena goes towards the office building and past it. So after game two, we came back from, I think we were down 13, probably like a couple minutes left in the third quarter. So we, we had a great bounce back win in game two to, to even the series at that point. And I remember at the end of the game, Everyone was scattering. We all ran up to our our, uh, our desks to grab our stuff and go home for the night. When I got back down in the elevator, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out because the streets were packed with Knicks fans chanting, let's go Knicks, you know, F you Brooklyn, F Trey Young, all, you know, all of it. So it was awesome to see it just because, especially considering the pandemic, like we, we looked around and we thought like New York is back. This, this is exciting exciting isn't even the word and obviously right that was the the environment that was created by this year's next team being so good but also just right the experience of, of being at Madison Square Garden is a little like any other just by the aura of it um, but I, I do want to ask you a little bit about your actual role because a lot of stuff you're doing now is with group sales but you've been an inside sales right before I mean is there is there a difference in that is, have you kind of been doing the same thing for the last few years or has there been a progression or a change in in what you've actually been doing behind the scenes yeah so started in just so you know the way it works with just in, in terms of the sales side of things for, for, for sports, at least for, for MSG and, and a lot of other NBA teams, inside sales is the entry level position. So inside sales came right out of college and I joined the inside sales group sales side of things. Um, at that point, 
I was in inside sales from August 19th, 2019 until I would say, well, it's, it's a little flexible because the, the pandemic has really, you know, messed things up, but I'd say I was in inside sales from August of 2019 all the way until August of 2020. So at that point, I was fortunate enough to stay with the company and, and join the, the group sales sports team, which is the one I'm on now. Uh, and I was at that point uh, promoted to an account executive. So overall, main difference was when I first started, my team was actually primarily focused on entertainment. So focusing on the Christmas Spectacular show over at Radio City Music Hall and other family shows coming in and out of, out of, out of uh, Madison Square Garden. Small focus on, on Nixon Rangers as well, but for the most part, it was, it was those shows. And then the company split into two. Uh, company split in April of 2020 from the Madison Square Garden company. They became Madison Square Garden Sports and Madison Square Garden Entertainment. Madison Square Garden Sports was the was the company that that my team was, I guess, shifted over towards. And with that, we shifted focus as well, as I'm sure you can tell by the name, we shifted focus to Nixon Rangers. So at that point, that was that was for me, that was like a dream because it was like, you know, finally I get to really focus on on the Knicks. I'm really excited about this. And you know, with that, I like I said in, in August of 2020, I was fortunate enough to be promoted to account executive, join that team. And and really it's since then it was a, a weird time because we, you know, we were focusing on speaking with as many people as possible who who had joined us in the past, trying to find new prospects as well to join us for group events in the future. But we had no schedule. You know, we had no idea when we were going to be playing games again. We had no idea when we were going to have fans back in the building in that case. So it's definitely been uh, a very strange, I guess, year and a half. Let's put it that way. I can only imagine maybe how much code might have shaken things up. But just thinking about maybe the, the work you're doing and getting promoted and all that stuff is, is really cool thinking about how that, when, during COVID, that's a very hard thing to do is, is right. So many people, um, whether it's getting to stay with a company like the Knicks and, and then obviously getting promoted then thereafter is, is is incredible. Thankfully that happened because then we got to meet each other and, and Matt, the Cinderella story of a season was able to, to take <laughs> shape. But I'm curious about you mentioned what that, that was interesting is that maybe the, the many departments at MSG, right? It's not just everyone thinks MSG, especially for someone like me that's a sports fan. I don't even think of the Knicks. I don't even think of the Rangers. I don't even think of entertainment and stuff like that because I'm a basketball guy. But at the same time, those things do exist and they're an integral part of what it makes MSG, MSG. So if you could maybe tell us a little bit about what those other parts of the MSG empire maybe are, whether it's the Radio City Music Hall and all these other great things that really is what makes it known, known worldwide. Probably the, the greatest city in the world, in my opinion. No one asked for my opinion, but it's okay. Um, we're, we're fortunate enough to be, and, and this is actually something that's very underrated. I don't think many people think about this when they're a fan of a specific team. We are actually located in New York City. We are actually in the heart of, of Midtown Manhattan. A lot of teams, you know, I like I said, I went to, at that point, well, I'll, I'll use the, the correct team name now, the Washington football team. They were known as the Redskins at the time. When I was in college, I went to one of their games and they're all the way in Maryland, but they're, they're, they have a DC name. So having the New York City ties to your actual venue location is important. Being right above Penn Station makes it super easy to get to MSG. It's just a central hub in general. So I think the, the beauty of that is we have a great city with many different venues to choose from. And we have in a normal year, right, it's been a while since that's happened, but in a normal year, we have so many events going on. Uh, right now, for example, it's, I know it's what, June, June 23rd, 2021, 
two years ago, we would have had family shows. We would have had concerts going on throughout the Knicks offseason. Uh, right now, we're getting back into that. We're, we're getting more concerts that are booking for later this year. But I think that it definitely helps, you know, being a basically a 24-7 venue that, that has no matter what types of events you're into, they're going to have something for you. And that's that's what helps. It's almost like no matter what time of year it is, there's a particular season you can season that you can focus on so Knicks and Rangers will be from October to April and then if they make the playoffs June maybe even into July if there's concerts you can focus on that throughout the entire year really doesn't matter what time of year it is as long as they're coming to town on a specific date uh, and then the Christmas Spectacular show at Radio City we focus on that for the most part probably in April all the way up to December the, you know the show runs all the way through the beginning of the first week of January it, it's it's really cool. It's it's actually very very cool to think about it. Being able to keep it switched on at all times, rather than having to say, "All right, well, until next season." I mean, it being year round is what makes the energy so electric, right? And that's there's kind of no off switch at MSG, which is incredible, right? There's it's not just a basketball season; it's a it's the calendar year, um, which is definitely really cool thinking about that and the, the excitement of of being in the next game next year is just someone that really just gave me goosebumps for not thinking about it. Next season can't come soon enough. And I just want to make sure all our listeners know that if you ever, ever, ever need anything at MSG, primarily the Knicks, but anything at MSG, this is your guy. This is your guy right here. <laughs> Reach out to the show on Instagram, at Gen Z Hoops, whatever it might be, get in touch with me and I will make that happen because Phil is the guy when it comes to stuff. So Phil, thank you so much for giving us this breakdown of, of your entire career up to this point. And obviously there's so much left for you, for you to do. And there's so much more amazing times for, for the Knicks to have or for or really this, this ba entire basketball experience to, to be had. So it's definitely just all, all bright stuff on the come up. But thank you so much for joining the show and get, putting a face to the faceless Knicks guy that I've always told everybody about. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time, John. Thank you. This this is, uh, I just want to say this, you know, I was, I was watching some of your other episodes and I'm blown away by this because, uh, you know, I think you mentioned this is this is kind of your your COVID baby, this uh, this this podcast. And, and to see that it's grown into what it is now in such a short amount of time, relatively speaking, compared to others. So uh, you're doing a great job, man. So considering you're only in, you know, you're, you're about to get into your senior year, the roof, the, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said. Uh, your, your ceiling is 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 way up there. So. Good luck to you, and this is really awesome. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. You can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.